stay home, you know. It's like, I wonder what I missed. Okay, so anyhow, even though Christmas is technically over, I want to just take a little time today and look at some of the prophecies about him that foretold is coming. So I have it here, Jesus foretold. Not as in Jesus himself foretold, but he did. But Jesus foretold, as in him being foretold. So specifically, I felt led to focus on some of the prophecies that uh, talk about the physical things, the physical prophecies that took place. Because there are dozens of prophecies I can find about Jesus in the Old Testament, really more than that, really. Most of them are spiritual, meaning that they have to do with the spiritual work that he came to accomplish for us during his earthly ministry. And then, when, and then later when he rules uh, as king after the last days. Uh, you, but, you know, he's already king of your heart. You know, you already. And see, that's why, you know, the word talks about that. The rivers, the river of life that flows out from his throne. His throne exists in your heart. That's its spiritual location because you've accepted Christ. And the word says that your temple, did not know that, the, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, his throne he is enthroned in your heart, if you will let him be enthroned there. And then out of that, from under his throne flows rivers of living water, which confirmed Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And that speaks to his, that's the Holy Spirit. That's, so therefore, that speaks to his presence. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we could go on and on and on. But uh, again, for some reason, God seemed to want me to focus on these physical uh, prophecies about things that happen to him physically. And so uh, he's the boss. So here we go. So let's start in the book of Genesis. Uh, you know, the first prophecy ever spoken in Scripture had to do with Jesus. Did you know that? So we're going to look down at verse 26 in Genesis chapter one, but first, see, before we get to that actual prophecy, though, I did want to, I did want to look at here where God creates man. Verse twenty-six says, "And then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." And so, for those who have trouble seeing the Trinity in the Word, this verse poses a problem because God said, "Let us make man in our image." So if this isn't God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit holding counsel, then who is God talking to when he says us? Well, it's certainly not an angel, because angels are not equal with God, so God wouldn't tell an angel, let us make man in our image. They don't have the same image as God. Because the book of Hebrews tells us that angels and mankind are not the same type of being. So, you know. Sorry to all those who say, well, when someone dies, then they become an angel. No. Angels are a different kind of being. So, Jesus, because in Hebrews, it says that Jesus did not come to save angels, specifically. But he did come to save us, it says. And you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 2, if you, if you like, if you want to look that up. But we're not going to get into that now. So, when God said, let us make man in our image, he must be holding counsel with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or Holy Ghost, as some of us like to call him, if you're more old school, and that's fine. And, and if people say, well, why, why is that so important when it comes to talking about Jesus being born? Well, that's a good question. Let's turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 1. 
And this is where we get into that first Bible prophecy ever given. God himself gives it, and he's giving it about Jesus. So this, of course, is where the serpent, after the serpent tempts Eve with the forbidden fruit, she and Adam give into temptation. They eat the fruit. Mankind enters our fallen state. And then verse 14, God punishes the serpent, and he gives this first recorded prophecy. So verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are more cursed than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I've taught on some of this in the past, but I'm going to spend a little time on it now. The seed of the woman is a person. How do we know this? Because in talking about the seed, God tells the serpent, he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. So a seed from a plant can't be a he. So then the seed is a person. Because this, and because the seed is a he, it is a singular seed, one seed. In English we have, you know, seed means, can mean many seeds or one seed. But in this case it's one seed, a single seed. And we know this person is not a naturally born person. It must be a supernatural birth because it's the seed of the woman. Naturally speaking, the woman does not carry the seed. The man does. And uh, if you kids want to know more about that, you can email your parents later on. <laughs> so, now to answer the question of why it's so important that God was talking to himself when he said, let us make man in our image, it's because the seed is one of those us's that God is talking to. It's Jesus, God the Son. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the seed, and Jesus is the word. And so God decides to make man in his own image. He said, let us make man in our image. And man is the only creature that Jesus was willing to lay his life down for. No other creature in existence did God make a plan of salvation for. And you can say, well, nothing in the animal kingdom could ascend and fallen from God. Well, you may be right, but we know that there are angels that fell from grace, Satan being one of them. And yet the book of Hebrews tells us Jesus did not die to save any of them. See how privileged you are as a human being, you special little thing, you. God cares about you so much that he knit you together in your mother's womb into his very image and likeness. And he sent Jesus to die for your sins. So that if you say out loud, Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you are saved. This was God's plan from the very beginning. Because when Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into the world, God's presented with a problem. Mankind, whom he formed in his image, the crown jewel of his creation, they've fallen from grace. So to give a public answer to the problem, see, that's really what God's doing here. He's giving a public answer. He's giving a declaration of what he's going to do. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan. And between her seed and your seed. And like we said, Jesus is the seed. So because we've already established that it's because it's the seed of the woman and not man, that it must be a supernatural birth. And thousands of years after God says this, the prophet Isaiah wrote in the seventh chapter of his book, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive... And bear a son, and you should call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, as we just sang about. 
completely changed that set at the last minute, by the way. Got here and was like, no, this isn't the right set. Got to change it. Got to do what God says. So you can see what lengths God has taken to be in fellowship with us. He has, take, he has made a, 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 a intricately detailed plan about how he is going to reconcile man to himself. And he, he, and he has the blueprint here in Genesis. He already knew what he was going to do. So then, if God has taken that kind of link to be in fellowship with us, then we should follow his example and do our best to stay in fellowship with one another. People can be difficult. But if Jesus was willing to die to put us back into fellowship with God, then we ought to not throw away our fellowship with one another very easily either. Amen? At Ramah, one of the teachers told us about a time when he came, he came across another minister just in his travels. He came across another minister, and he knew the man. You know, the man knew him. And this other minister, he's a traveling itinerant minister. You know, we, I, we say itinerant, that means traveling. That's all that means there, traveling minister. And this itinerant minister uh, was looking very thin and sickly. And so this teacher, he, he said, I, I, so I took him aside, him and his wife. They, he, he said, let's, let's go out to eat. I want to talk to you. And, and so he asked, well, what's going on? Well, it turns out that uh, they hadn't told anybody, but the, the, this itinerant minister is dying of cancer. And so this, and, and this itinerant minister, he had a miraculous ministry, got many, 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 many people healed. Okay, so, well, why didn't he get healed? Well, he needed to exercise his own faith to receive, and he failed to do that, but that's, that's between him and God. That's not, doesn't have anything to do with us, really. So anyway, because God still will work miracles through people, even if they're, I've been sick and laid hands on people, and they've been healed, and I'm like, go home, and I'm like, why am I still sick? Jesus is like, you've got to believe that you receive. So anyway, so this, this teacher, he says goodbye to them, and he goes home. And God spoke to his heart and said, call that itinerant minister and tell him that you will take all his meetings for the rest of the year and that any love offering you take up, you will send to him. And so he's like, okay. So he calls him up, and he tells him. The teacher's like, or the, the itinerant minister's like, wow, you would do that for me? He's like, well, God told me to. He said, well, thank you so much, you know. So it gave him time to rest and everything. And so he's very grateful. Well, why do I mention all that? See, because it wasn't a fellowship problem between these two ministers. They were fine. But this, but the, this teacher, he told us, see, because remember, the itinerant minister, he had a, the itinerant minister, he had a miraculous ministry. Huge signs and wonders accompanying his ministry. And so when those churches had those meetings filled in by a teacher, what did they get? They got a teaching ministry instead of a miraculous ministry. And so he said, I, I was not treated with the same level of respect. As, as he, and he's not upset about it, but he was telling us, because he's a teacher, he's, t he's teaching us. He was like, you don't, treat, you don't treat people differently just because they don't respect you. He said, you still have to walk in love. You still have to treat them properly. It doesn't matter if they respect you or not. And that's the way he treated them. He said, this, he said, don't let this hinder your love walk. See, because we can't be divided over things like that. If Jesus died to put us back into fellowship with God, we ought to work to maintain fellowship within the body of Christ, regardless of what kind of expectations they may put on us, man puts on us. Amen. The word tells us to maintain 
the bond of unity. Okay, so now that prophecy, and then moving on there, that prophecy I just quoted from about Emmanuel, about God with us, that's found in Isaiah 7.14, if you want to write that down, and you, if you feel like looking that up later. And so before I book in this thought, because I'm just bookending the thought about, about, this, about prophecy, about, G, about messianic prophecy specifically, about G, prophecies that have to do with the coming of Jesus. So uh, I want to make mention of these other ones. So uh, in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says these words, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. So the gospel tells us Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is interesting, seeing as how they were from Nazareth and they ended up in Bethlehem at the time of his birth only because of a Roman census. Now, isn't it interesting how Scripture confirms Scripture, though? We already established that in the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus existed with the Father in the very beginning. This prophecy says right here, Jesus' goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. The book of Revelation calls Jesus the Lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. As far as God's concerned, it was a done deal. We experience it in time. It's like, because people say, well, what about all these Old Testament saints? Well, Jesus wasn't crucified until, it's like, is anything too difficult for God? He considers Jesus the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Therefore, since he is the master and lord of time, he can decide to apply the, the, the blood of Jesus wherever he wants to in the timeline. God's not limited by time. We experience things in time, so we know when Jesus was crucified about but the Bible says in Revelation, again, Jesus was, is the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. So therefore, he looked ahead, saw the issue before he even made anything and was like, I already have a solution. That's how much he cares about man. It's like they're going to fall, but I will make them anyway. So, you know, I, I mentioned that's in, that's in Revelation, but, you know, you can, find, you can find Jesus in every book of the Bible if you are look, looking carefully. His going forth have been from of old. Even if you're only finding him in, in symbolically, he's there. He's there. thought you might want to know that as you spend time in the Word. Now, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, the Bible says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And if you remember, the gospel tells us that 